0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah escape canceler. Oh, it's brilliant from
0: Mo Salah, and still Salah, oh sensational! Son of beauty. Oh, what a strike! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world as Tad Predictable. With your host, Tadiwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's game week 27, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable. Wow, wow, wow. What a weekend of football that we had last week, and it looks like it could be an exciting game week this week. We've got 12 games to get through, so I want to get cracking as soon as possible. But I've got to introduce my guest. He is the, and I check my notes here, current interim champion of bank it or burn it. Guy, how did this interim championship come about? We've never had an interim champion. We just have a champion at the end of the season. How are you, the self-proclaimed interim champion currently sitting with 16 out of 25 at the moment?
1: I've always been interim champion today. We've just been waiting for the moment for it to be crowned properly. <laughs> it's been screwed up by you and the, you and the other higher ups. Not, not the, giving me my trophy. The seats
0: The suit's upstairs do not want you to win this trophy. I don't want you to win this trophy. I'm sending all of the people that I can at you to make sure you don't win this trophy. Um, But it's possible that you could not be interim champion come halfway through this podcast, because halfway through the podcast, I'm going to reveal Riley's score from last game week. So if you want to enjoy it, you might as well enjoy it while you can, if that is the situation.
1: I'm confident, I'm fine,
0: I'm fine <laughs> Alright then, okay now, Obviously, massive weekend last weekend for you And Liverpool, congratulations on that They kick us off this game week um, By travelling to Bournemouth Now, before you go into what you think How do you think this game is going to go I, I'll just say one thing I know it's a Debbie Downer thing to say And I didn't want to say it on the day when Liverpool One, 7-0 against Man United. But if they then go and lose or draw to Bournemouth this coming week, that Man United result is almost pointless, guy. Am, Am I being too harsh? Because looking at those two fixtures, based on the form that Liverpool are in, you're probably thinking, okay, objectively speaking, a draw against Man United and then a win against Bournemouth gets you your four points out of six. If Liverpool end up with four points out of six now with the three points they already have in the bag, I'm going to see that as a bit of a missed opportunity.
1: It certainly is. Um, it's not, it wouldn't be irrelevant if, if we did drop points at Bournemouth in terms of the United game, um, because it is a historic event. But in terms of the context of the season, it would be such a downer on the entire week. Cause you think, right. The Polish game was awful, but outside of that, I think we've won four of our last five in the Premier League. We obviously have the Real Madrid game in that time, which um, was horrendous. <laughs> but outside of that, it we have seen this turnaround, but if we go from a 7-0 win and our best result in Premier League history, certainly, to dropping points against the team 20th in the league, it is. It is a waste. It is a waste of this season. Obviously, we will always look back at that seven 0 and laugh, and just have a good old chuckle whenever it's brought up. Um, but in terms of trying to achieve top four, you have you have to beat Bournemouth. and y- you just simply do. They are twentieth. I don't think they're. I don't think they're awful by any means. I think there can be a dangerous team. We saw it against Arsenal last weekend. But if Liverpool are to come back and get top four. They have to win these games. Um, and and Liverpool as a whole have to improve their away form because um, the Palace game I mentioned, worst game of football I've ever seen. Newcastle game, we got outplayed by 10 men. Um, who else have we played in recent times away from home? I think they're the last couple. And before that, I think it was the string of 3-0 losses. Uh, My dog is snoring. So if you do hear that, people, (laughs) my bad. Um, But I can't do it. But anyway, but back onto the game. Yeah, it it would be a waste of a result. But at the same time, I think Bournemouth, on the back of that performance against Arsenal, um, they'll see this as a good opportunity. Because as I say, Liverpool's away form is horrid. I think Bournemouth's home form is one of the worst in the league as well, but regardless, that if they drag themselves to a point, or even just let's let's put it this... Way. if they went two 0 up last week against Liverpool, I don't see, I wouldn't have seen Liverpool coming back and even drawing that game. Like I think our confidence will be sky high after that after that um, historic win, but I think our confidence will be shattered a lot more easier than a team like Arsenal's, for instance.
0: Definitely. And yeah, we've seen Arsenal this season um, go down and still manage to believe in themselves to go get uh, a result from those games. Now, you mentioned the Real Madrid game as well. I'm, I'm, There are too many red flags now, guy. Is this going to be a banana skin? Because no doubt, from a human aspect of things... The Liverpool players are going to have one eye on that Real Madrid game. Past Liverpool teams, like recent history Liverpool teams, I could see them managing both games and being able to concentrate on one game at a time. Can this Liverpool team do that against Bournemouth? And then what scoreline are you giving? And then also on Bournemouth, you've mentioned, obviously, they're a tough outfit. They're, they're, they're bottom of the log. They're still getting beaten in games, but they're going to make you work for it. I think... If Dominic Solanke had played a bit better in their game against Arsenal, in my opinion, I think they could have held on to that 2-0 for a little bit longer, which would have given them a chance to come away with something in that game. But he just kept losing the ball every time uh they, they got it up the pitch and it just the the waves just kept coming back at them uh, against Arsenal. So they're gonna make it tough for Liverpool, but what what score are you giving this game?
1: Um in terms of Liverpool keeping their eye on both on both games you have to prioritize Bournemouth like i know liverpool have done miracles in the champions league before but they were very different liverpool teams or mad more magical liverpool teams i 2005 where it was just it was something was something <laughs> i don't know what it was it wasn't it wasn't logical um but in ter- yeah, the Real Madrid game, that has to be second in everyone's thoughts, because let's put it this way. Can- Canate, for example, he's probably one of our more important players at the minute because, well, he makes the defence work. If he can only play one of these games, I'm picking Bournemouth. We, we have to get top four next season. Um. So yeah, that is the more important one for me. Obviously, as a natural players, playing Real Madrid is one of the biggest spectacles in, in, in world football, the biggest opportunities in world football. Um, unfortunately, we played them quite a lot recently, which isn't great. Um, but no, in terms of result, I think it'll be an ugly game because, well, half 12 kickoffs are always horrendous, especially for Liverpool for some reason. Um, but I think. And I hope Liverpool have turned a corner somewhat. May not be it's pretty. It may not be back to our best and prettiest, but I'm going to go 2 1 Liverpool in a scrappy game.
0: 2 1 Liverpool. And as you said, uh, the result is the important thing for Liverpool in this one, not necessarily the performance. For me, I'm going to go with a 1 1 draw. I think Bournemouth are going to. I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't know. If Liverpool are concentrated enough to handle Man United Bournemouth Real Madrid in the space of, you know, seven or eight days. And I think I can't expect them to win all of them. I'm I'm expecting them to face a tough outfit in Real Madrid. But this Bournemouth game just seems like a game that would go under the radar um By average teams And Liverpool have been average this, this season If it was a Liverpool in the past Maybe they'll be able to navigate all of them But we'll see, we'll see We'll move to the other side of Merseyside Where Everton play Brentford Now, the interesting thing for me, Guy And I'll focus on Brentford for a little bit here Was they had an extended period of of a break, so to speak Almost a, another um, mid-season break not getting to play for quite a while. Um, they came back, played Fulham last night and looked good, uh, got the win. Another penalty goal for them. I think that's like, what, 32-33 penalties scored in a row for them, which is absolutely insane. And then they play an Everton side who <laughs> I know I, <laughs> when Daish came in, right, I, I don't know what the expectation levels were from Everton fans, but you'd imagine they would have been expecting, at the very least, to be beating teams like Nottingham Forest. They obviously drew two two to them last time out, but it's not quite clicked into gear, maybe the way they thought it would.
1: No, it's it's not. It's better, but it's not. It's not. It, where are they in the league? They are. They're, They're 18. currently
0: eighteenth. Yeah.
1: So it's it's not enough, but it's better. Um, I can't remember where Frank was when they were sacked, but you watch them, they are competently managed, which they haven't since Frank took over. I think Frank in the, his first half season or two-third season, it was just momentum and good feeling in the club that kept them up, I think. I don't think that's there anymore. Um it may change once it gets a bit more desperate, but we're nearly into the last ten games. Um and they have some big games coming up. I think they play Leeds relatively soon. I might be it's it leads. It's some I think they've got another relegation six point relatively soon. I heard people talking about it on Twitter. Um but no, it's I think people I think Dave's mentioned this on two foot. I think when people think of Sean Dice, they may think of like someone who is a firefighter like a big Sam. Uh, Tony Pulis back in the day I don't think he is as well as Dave uh, and I don't want to just pirate what he says but he's never really done that because he's had such a long staple, stable job at um, at Burnley so I think he was the right hire, which is probably the right hire years ago is probably the issue um, but yeah, they've not really improved but what what could he improve? He has to play Neil I think Neil Morpe might be the most unshorn dice striker in the world. What is he mm-hmm. meant to do with that? Obviously Damari Gray played um up front last game out. I think I think he scored a penalty. Um but without Calvert Lewin and um I think it's Ellis Sims, he's seemingly should have stayed in 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 on his championship alone just to develop a bit more. Um they don't really have anything up front. Whereas I think you can see he started to get the best out of people like DeCure, who I think is a very dependable Premier League midfielder. Um I've not overly watched Everton because why would you? But Onana looks good. I think mean, Gay's made a couple mistakes, um but he's dependable. The defence looks a bit better, but it's hard when you're working with well Connor Cody or Michael Keaton is one of your centre backs usually um so i think he is doing qu- quite well considering the squad but is it enough to stay up it seems like the more depending on a Leeds or a or a West Ham imploding rather than them improving but fortunately for them it seems like both Leeds and West Ham do like to implode, and obviously, Le- well, as I noticed, Leicester have won three in a row, so you'd probably drag them into that as well. So I think it's ra- rather, I think let um, I think Everton getting out of this, it's it's worse, it's teams imploding more um, at a worse rate than they are improving, but it seems to be somewhat working. But um, I still kind of think they'll get out of it. I'm not sure who at whose expense, but. It's a strange run, but in terms of the score, yeah, I mean Brentford. I think you mentioned them as gatekeepers to the Premier League, and that might have to be readdressed because obviously, a very impressive win against Fulham in in uh, on Monday, um, which was very exciting. To be fair, I know the Fulham scored in the ninety eighth minute, but it was a really good game. Obviously, Fulham without their best player, but Brentford looked looked dangerous. I think mean, they hit the bar about three times. Um, but as long as Ivan Tony isn't banned for his betting scandal, they are a force to be reckoned with because he's probably, um, a top three striker in the league this season, um, behind the obvious two. Um, Brentford are the favourites. They just are. They've got the firepower and they've got the competency throughout the entire team. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 2-0 Brentford.
0: 2-0 Brentford. But yeah, that that would be a comfortable win for them. I'll I'll be very interested to see if that happens. a crowd reaction from Goodison Park because it, it, I don't know how much leeway Daesh is going to get, and they do need to start picking up points soon. And the best place to pick up points is obviously at home. Make that a fortress and make it difficult to come there. Um, yeah, I, I worry about Everton in this game. Brentford have shown time and time again if you're not well coached, they're gonna they're gonna pull you apart. And I can see them doing that to Everton. Even though Everton will be well coached, it's still early in the Daesh era. And I think that's going to be the issue. He's not going to have had enough time to coach them to the level they need to be to handle such a disciplined team as Brentford. I, I think the players um, are going to fall short for Dyche in this one. So I'm, I'm going to back you with that 2-0 there. Um, probably bank Ivan Tony. Uh, to, to get a goal or two there, well, certainly my fantasy team will be hoping for that. But Guy, speaking of my fantasy team, I brought in Matoma a couple of weeks back, and he's been an absolute joy. One of the best players in the Premier League at the moment in terms of form, certainly. He takes bright uh, him and his Brighton players along to Leeds United, who the record is just it's like a broken record player here at this point in time where I keep saying Leeds are playing good football. They're just not putting the ball in the back of the net. And we saw that against Chelsea. And I I predicted a one nil win to Chelsea in that game, because I thought it's two sides that get towards the goal and then just can't put it in the back of the net. And with Leeds, I enjoy watching Leeds games um, I just feel bad for their fans and and, and feel bad for them because they, they're not getting the reward for all the effort they're doing everywhere else on the pitch. Is that going to be a case for them here, playing a Brighton side that were very clinical last time out?
1: That very much depends on Brighton. Well, it, it does it. I mean, in terms of getting a draw, I think it depends on Brighton for Leeds. But in terms of getting a win... Brighton are excellent all over the park. They they just really are. They are the real deal, and there's a reason I think most people would agree they're a legitimate threat for European places. Maybe a smidge off the Champions League just because of Liverpool's turnaround, but as we mentioned on the Liverpool game, that, that could easily change. Um, so I think, I think they're just a legitimately good team, so I'd, I'd definitely make them favourites, um, as I'm sure most people would. But as you say, Leeds do play good football. Um, but they do no goals and they have mistakes at the back. I think Melier is regressing, and he's twenty-two year old or something like that, which is strange. I mean, maybe it's just the lack of confidence because Leeds concede so many goals. Um, they don't really do loads of goals, as you say. Patrick Bamford injuries have seemingly taken hold. I know they're um. Tried Router up front, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I'm not sure he is an actual number nine or not, but I, I they just didn't seem to they didn't really seem to address their big issues in January in terms of just signing someone who does goals and maybe a bit more of an experienced goalkeeper just to limit mistakes because I think everyone sees the talent in Melier, but. He does make mistakes, and those mistakes will put Leeds in the championship again. If 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 it keeps up at this rate, without the improvement in front of goal. Um, but no, I think logic, you, you just got to back Brighton here. I think Matoma's just a magnificent player. McAllister's playing really well. Um, even Danny Welbeck scored. Um, Evan Ferguson's came back into the team recently. I think. Um, and he he looks like a, re- a hell of a talent. So I'm going to go. 3-1
0: Brighton. 3-1 to Brighton. Yeah, that, that's a good scoreline there. Um, You mentioned Brighton all-round. Really, really good. I'm I'm expecting an exciting game. And I know there are fixtures in this uh, game week that other people are looking maybe more forward to. This is a game I'm really looking forward to. Probably more so if, if Patrick Bamford is back, as as is believed, for this game. Because at least Leeds will have some firepower. I mean, he's obviously... With the injuries and the setbacks, he's not full firing Bamford of, you know, the previous seasons that we saw. But at least he is a presence up front for them. Um, So hopefully he makes this game exciting from that perspective. But, Guy, it's also not just an exciting game. It's also one of those games that those those infamous games, so to speak, that are at three o'clock in the UK. Is there a UK channel that is showing this game? No What what could I possibly do To resolve this guy Well you could
1: head to Advertisement placement here To do
0: You could head to Liberty Shield Liberty Shield is a VPN provider And of course they are our presenting sponsors In association with EPLindex.com You guys can check out their services at LibertyShield.com Save with the coupon code EPL25 That gets you 25% off of your router or the software VPN, which downloads straight onto your devices. So a virtual private network that's a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity. It hides your IP address and shields your online data from third parties. You can change your location, avoid geoblocks, and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. It's a great, great tool, um, especially for those 3 o'clock games, if you want to be able to watch them. As I say, I predominantly watch most of the games um via Liberty Shield VPN through SuperSport in South Africa. Some people prefer to use Peacock in the US, but right here from my home in London, which is pretty, pretty nifty. um, Guys, also go and check out uh, the EPL Index shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. Now, my prediction for this one, guy, is... (laughs) It's 3-0 to Brighton. I'm so sorry. I, I built up Leeds um, and the hope that they'll be able to get a goal here, but I just think Brighton are too solid and too composed to to then concede to Leeds who have been struggling for goals. And We went back-to-back with teams that are really well coached in this league in Brentford and Brighton and I've gone a 2-0 for Brentford and then a 3-0 for Brighton. I think it's testament to the work that they've done this season and not only that, they've been one of those clubs that have been ready and willing and able to capitalize on the poor form of some of the traditionally big six teams. And one of those teams is Chelsea. Um, they entertain Leicester City. I mentioned Chelsea a little bit earlier when I was talking about, you know, them getting one over Leeds United, but they come up against a Leicester side here guy. Now, talk to me about. What is going on at Leicester? I have no clue. They, they lost 1-0 to Southampton last time out. Obviously, you know, that goal, that, um, Alcaraz goal may be contentious. Should he have been on the pitch for, you know, to be able to then score that goal? Who knows? Um, based on the refereeing at the moment in the Premier League, unfortunately, something that we we'll have to bring up, but this is an opportunity for Chelsea to just get back to back wins. Maybe one of those games that, it's result far more important than performance. I mean, you know, it, it, results are always important, but I think for Chelsea, they just need to get back onto that race for European positions. They currently lie in 10th place, 34 points from 25 games. If we hover up the league, sixth place currently has 41 points. So seven points, seven points away from sixth place. It maybe it's doable. For Chelsea, if they start to string a few results and, and the the 900 players that they've brought in start to click, but it has to start with a win against the Leicester side who have been so inconsistent. I think I'll come with my scoreline and before I do that, I'll say this. I do think Nacho encapsulates everything that is Leicester at the moment in that you look at him on paper, ridiculously talented. He can do things... In games where you sit back and you're like, why on earth did Man City let him go? And then two minutes later he'll do something else that's not so great and you're like, ah, okay, that makes sense. That's why they let him go. It seems like Leicester have been like that this season. There have been performances where they've played really well. You look at that game against Tottenham a couple of weeks back and you're thinking, Okay, Leicester are, you know, back. They're 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 rolling back the years here. And then they give you a performance like they did against Southampton, where they should have won the game, but missed a whole load of chances, end up on the wrong end of the score sheet. How did they react at home against the Chelsea team? For me, I think Chelsea keep the good times rolling, back-to-back wins for them. I'm still not confident in their goal scoring, so I'm going to go with a 1-0 to Chelsea.
1: Um, You mentioned result over performance for Chelsea. I think it might be the opposite, you know. Yeah. um. I don't I think they'd have a better I think it'd be better for them obviously it'd be a horrendous look and spent 300 bazillion pound to get worse but if they avoid Europe altogether it, whether it's Graham Potter or not Graham Potter they go into the next season with all these new lads got a full pre-season no europe um can slim down the squad to pick out the players they actually want um But at the same time, if they start showing improvement in terms of performance, it may save Graham Potter's job. But at the same time, you could take that good performance, probably add a £200 million worth of strikers in the summer they'll probably buy, um, and apply that to next season. And Well, not hopefully, but for Chelsea's sake, and if you're a Chelsea fan, you could take that in the next season. But if they just keep scraping 1-0 wins against... Awful teams, I don't think it fixes the issue for Graham Potter or the players. They're still playing awful, and they will eventually go back to not getting the result. So I think it might be performance over result. Obviously, you want both, but I, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd obviously want the win. But if they had a, let's say, a classic Graham Potter performance of being the better team at Brighton, but then don't score and then draw nil-nil... I think that'd be more promising than scraping a one nil where you've been outplayed by Leicester um and snuck a goal. I I'd probably logically after time I'd consider that a win. Um but they kinda need both. And you are right, Chelsea are just a mess, but Leicester are I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You mentioned the win over Spurs. I think the key word there is Spurs seemingly. I just don't I don't get Leicester. Um, they struggle in defence, so they sign a seven foot tall centre back and put him in a high line. Wh- why? Like, I'm not saying Harry Suter has been awful or anything like that, but you picked him and then you've put him in like the worst position uh, position possible. Um, you. You have kind of addressed the striking positions in recent years because you've spent, I think it was 60-odd mil between Dakar and Ine and Nacho, but that's been quite a while now. Obviously, Dakar's not really worked out, and Ine and Nacho, as you mentioned, is either amazing or dreadful zero middle ground. Um, So they are a really weird team, I think. But as a team, they are so dependent on James Madison. It, it, It is stupid. and Albeit Chelsea have been a huge disappointment this season and probably now that Liverpool's improved slightly the disappointment of the premier league um they still have good midfielders they've got Enzo Fernandez I think Kovacic was back last week so Will this be a game for James Madison to take over? I'm, it shouldn't be, unless Chelsea have a, uh, an absolute mare. So I don't really see what Leicester's game plan would be. But at the same time, I don't know what their game plan would be, but I could see them winning this game 3 or 4 <laughs> <to destroy> them. <laughs> but I, I, do, I think it might be... A bit of a mad game, but I'm not sure if the quality in front of goal is there for either team. So I'm, I'm going to go for a one-all draw, but I, I, this could be literally 4-0 either way, and I don't think anyone would be surprised. Wow. Sorry, which score
0: did you go with? Uh, one-all. One-all. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, it, it, it could go anywhere, and as you say, no one would be too surprised. Um, you mentioned Tottenham Hotspurs a bit earlier there. They entertain Nottingham for us. Now, it's been a very disappointing and frustrating week for Tottenham fans. They rotated the team for the FA Cup, lost that, and then go into the weekend, put back the the, the stronger team and still lose. So it's that frustration of, so what was the point of us rotating in the FA Cup um, you know a competition that they probably would have fancied looking at the teams that are still left in the competition looking at the team that they would have been playing um, I think they would have been drawn against Blackburn if I'm not mistaken is this a missed opportunity for Spurs in terms of a trophy and then it would top four be any sort of consolation It it almost feels like the fans are getting sick of the the top four I mean I say this with um, sitting on a very high horse type of view of things in that, oh, top four isn't the be-all and end-all. For some clubs, it really is. It really, really is. And there's some clubs that don't make it even to top four that are dreaming of making top one would consider it a success. But in terms of Spurs, we know they want that coveted trophy, and we've seen time and time and, and again them make top four, but that doesn't catapult them – to greater things in my opinion it just keeps the wheel spinning do they almost need uh and dare I say Arsenal type of situation and Spurs fans might close their ears at this point but genuinely do they need an Arsenal situation where maybe they drop back for a couple of seasons you know Arsenal finished eighth a couple of times but then it propelled them forward to this uh title push that they're going for
1: I think he could be right there. I think they just need. I think they need to rejig everything. To be honest, I think. Like I really like Antonio Conte, but he's not the guy to get you from. Well, I suppose he did it into. But this is Spurs. This is it's not in. This is not in Milan. This is Tottenham Hotspur. So he, I think he performed a miracle getting them top four last season. They did not deserve top four last season. It was because Arsenal imploded. They got top four last season. Um. But I think you are right. They need a refresh, and I think a run in the Europa League or outside of the Europa competitions altogether might be a good thing. But at the same time, if they get Champions League, they've got to take advantage of it. You can't buy lads from Everton and improve, especially not 2022 Everton, because that was awful. You spent 50 to 60 million on Richarlison, who was getting 10 goals at a push. As the main guy in a team, awful signing. Um, but it is it, it is weird. I think when they when they do clever business, I think they do really good business. Because I think Kulisevsky for I think he was about thirty odd million and whatever they spent on the loan fee. I might be wrong with that. That's a really good deal. I think Kerr was relatively cheap in nowadays money as well. So I think once they well maybe just it might just be Teacher using his Juventus links. Um oh, well you and dodgy stuff right? no, <laughs> I much. <laughs> yeah, using those links. Yeah, but just keep buying lads from you You'll you'll be on end up in court, but it'll work out maybe. Um but sometimes they're good and sometimes they're awful. But they just I think they just need a refresh. Like I think Conte are obviously not happy at the club because he's seemingly leaving and is always upset. Find a new find a manager with fresh ideas, don't get Pochettino back. I know it's nostalgia and stuff like that, but it's not the same bloke. Um get a lad, get Pochettino from Southampton, find that lad. Get I don't know. I've thought, always thought Graham Potter would have been the good one, but if you can if you get Thomas Frank or um I don't know, find a version of Eric Ten Hag or something like that. It's just going with new ideas find a setup that works for the club don't have eric dyer and you starting defense for a start <laughs> um but just play attacking football, it may not become a success, but you've gone down the routes of win at all costs. You've gone down Mourinho. To be fair, Mourinho got to a cup final,
0: then you sacked him. So that's Literally him. the one thing he's good at is yeah. cup final. Well, not the one thing, but like the, the nowadays, thing he's, yeah. he's really good at is cup finals, and you sack him. The My theory on that, and maybe I'm going on a tangent here, is that if they win that cup final, it's all about Mourinho, and it's not about Levy. Whereas yeah. if they win it without Mourinho, it's about Levy and it's not about Mourinho. I, th- I think it's that Vince McMahon, Triple H, Triple situation yeah. where um, he wanted to be the man.
1: And I think, if I remember correctly, didn't they have to pay... If he won a cup, didn't they have to pay him off like quadruple the amount or something like that? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so Spurs just need... I think they need to get Levy away from big decisions as possible. Obviously, they've been linked to a takeover as well, which I think could help... But if Paratucci's the guy, try and interest him, or improve the scouting network, or whatever. Get a new manager. Get rid of the deadwood. And as you say, Arsenal's the blueprint for these teams. If they're not overly rich, you've got lads who, who you can sell. Like I just big, I just slagged off Eric Dyer there. Someone will give twenty mil for Eric Dyer in the bottom half of the Premier League. Yeah. Like West Ham exists for this. <laughs> They will give twenty mil for Eric Dyer and plonk him right in midfield if needs be. Um, but yeah, do a big reset. Find find the lads in the squad who want to be there. There's obviously the Harry Kane question if he if he wants to be there. Um he seemingly still does, but there's the Son question mark, he's been awful this season. Can you find, can you fix him? Um the midfield needs a revamp. The full wing backs, you need a left. No, they've got that lad from Udinese coming in, haven't they? So your wing yeah. your wing backs are probably fine, or your full backs, if it's depending on the new manager, look fine to me anyway. Centre back you need at least two more, if not three more, in my opinion. Um goalkeeper's the big issue as well. So there is a lot to do there and it'll be a lot to do in one summer. But Arsenal Sean, you can just you can change tact. You can May take a season or two, but if you get rid of the old Deadwood, and I'm not saying Tottenham has an Ozil or a a Sanchez or an Abameyang situation, um but get younger be, get an identity and make some risky deals because let's be honest Arsenal spending 50 million on ben white i it, i don't think it's the greatest value for money transfer but it certainly worked out ramsdale surprised everyone i think he's he's, he's looked look better than anyone ever thought he would um so yeah get these riskier deals another link with like david ray i think that's almost like a similarish signing um but it won't be stupidly expensive so do stuff like that and see how it goes but This is Tottenham. If they win something, it's a hell of a moment. Like, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, say Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, and City nowadays, I think Arsenal kind of been dragged down a smidgen in the last few years. Those four clubs I name, they have to win stuff to be relevant. Whereas I think Tottenham, if they just show signs of being a really exciting project, it'll make them such so much more attractive than being this stodgy mess of trying to click on to top four. So, yeah, I think you're right. But in terms of the game itself, because we have gone on a tangent, um Forest are a difficult team, but Spurs are the most impre- – they've taken Southampton's crown of the most unpredictable team in the league. So I have no idea what the score will be, <laughs> <laughs> um, which doesn't help. But I think Nottingham Forest's away form is – quite dire and obviously their home form is what's kind of keeping them up and keeping them up relatively comfortable to be fair, considering the way they were. Um, you'd have to back Spurs, but their whole result seems to just centre around Harry Kane, whereas now uh, back in the day, obviously Son could chip in um who the hell used to play right wing for Spurs? Lucas Mora <laughs> uh, at one point. No. No, he's bad. He's always been pretty bad. So yeah, oh. it's probably just them two. <laughs> but no, I think I think with Kulisevsky there. They need him to get back to his start of the season form, or maybe last season form. They desperately need Son to either... Well, they either have to make a decision with Son, is drop him for Richarlison and run with Richarlison, or Dan Juma, to be fair. I don't think Richardson's Richarlison's that's good, and just roll with it. Or you have to find a way to get Son firing. But they are over-reliant on Harry Kane doing mad things. But I will back Tottenham, and it will be a horrendous game. But
0: one, no, 2-1 Tottenham. 2-1 to Tottenham. And you mentioned um, how a lot relies on Harry Kane. I think, it, to me, a lot relies on their defence not doing stupid stuff. <laughs> like well, Kane, yeah. Kane yeah. will get his goal. Like, don't worry about Kane. You just do your job and don't do anything stupid and we'll be fine. And it, they just seem to always be so error-prone. And I think... The one issue for Spurs is when it comes to Kane, a lot of times teams just use their defensive midfielder to follow Kane the whole game, and then Spurs don't have any ideas. So they desperately need Son back up to track. So at least there's that threat, or Kuliseski, so at least there's that threat. But at the moment, as you say, it's just Kane from an attacking standpoint. So teams are like, okay, beat us with someone else, and they just haven't been able to. But one thing I know about Spurs this season is when... They do something so horrible that the fans decide the season's over, there's no point. They go and they win a game like this 3-0. So I'm going to go and predict 3-0 to Spurs and it's the hope that kills you. The fans are going to be back thinking top fours, back on again. And I think they have every right to think that because no team um, that's currently chasing that fourth spot has shown – this season that they're going to solidify that fourth spot not Liverpool not Spurs not Newcastle not Brentford Brighton none of the teams if I've forgotten anyone I apologize Fulham in there as well no one's shown that they're going to be the team that's going to secure that fourth spot Man United for a for a stint have shown that they're going to take that third spot maybe there's a a a crack in or a chink in the armor there who knows but At the moment, I think any of those teams could finish fourth, and I wouldn't be surprised based on how they've all played. But, Guy, the moment of truth is about to arrive, I'm going to let you sweat a little bit longer because we'll be right back after this break. And we are back. Guy, how are you feeling? Now, I know you've been walking around the office making people call you the interim champ. Are, are you still confident? Are you sure? I've got Riley's score in front of me. It's been given to me. What do you think he got out of 25? 15. Oh, 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 that, that, that would be one less than you. Of course you would say that. Um, A reminder that Jake started us off. He got 14 out of 25. He set the standard. You came in. Oh, Riley came in. Um, And I think he got, 14 or 13 out of 25 with his first go. He got rattled a little bit um, with the Nice slide celebration with regards to the Spurs game, I remember, in that one. Um, but he started off with back-to-back, I think, 5 out of 10. I mean, 10 out of 10 predictions. Uh, and then sort of tailed off towards the end there. I can tell you for a fact he started with 5 out of 5 for the first game that he predicted. So he started again in hot form. He ended up with 16 out of 25. Guy drinker. we have two interim champions. How do you feel about that? I mean, he can keep it like Wednesday. He can keep it Wednesday to Sunday, and then we'll <laughs> rotate. There's no such thing as that on this podcast. You know that for a fact. I mean, our first ever champion had to go into a championship face-off where on the last game week we didn't do any score predictions. We just did bank it or burn it. 50 questions for the 10 fixtures that were on show that day and it was a score out of 50 that decided our champion. We don't do draws on this podcast, Guy, except for score predictions. But we don't do score. <laughs> we don't except do me. draws. Except <laughs> you. You love draws. We don't do draws for Banking or Burnett. We have one undisputed champion. But at the moment, both you and Riley have 16 out of 25. Let's see if you can perhaps just take the outright lead. Maybe take that interim out of, the, out, 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 out of your... Your claim here at the moment, but the games that you will be predicting, Banker or Bernard, are Bournemouth versus Liverpool, Everton versus Brentford, Leeds versus Brighton, Leicester versus Chelsea, and Spurs versus Nottingham Forest. Your questions are A, over 850 total passes, B, less than 35 clearances, C, over three yellow cards, D, headed goal, and E, fist pump Goal celebration. Have you got that?
1: I've got it. I've got
0: it. All right. Let's see how you get on here. Um, to take the outright lead, bank it or burn it. Mr. Guy Drinkle, your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank it. Less than 35 clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Fist pump goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, interesting. All right. All right. He seemed quite confident with that one, guy.
1: I think it's harder than all the first set of questions. So I, was trying, yeah. I, was trying, I was trying to look up how many clearances are in a game, but you know, flash score and he didn't have the, didn't have the stat there.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Guy is starting to feel the pressure because I know for a fact you never used to research Banker or Bennett. You used to do it off the cuff. Taking
1: but... my training seriously.
0: <laughs> he doesn't want to lose that trophy. Now, Guy, can you confirm something for me quickly? Mm hmm. Riley mentioned this on the previous podcast and and a lot of people in the office have been worried are we going to have a podcast next season because we're worried if you win it you're going to blow the entire podcast budget on a trophy that's bigger than the current trophy which by the way is as big or as high or as tall as the current champions league trophy are you planning on going bigger than that what's going on
1: Uh, there will be a parade (laughs) Um, there'll be one in Liverpool and there'll be one around my town in the northeast Um, and it'll just be me pulled by my dog on a little trailer
0: Um, long story short we won't have a a budget for a podcast next season
1: it will be be recorded via two cans and a piece of string
0: (laughs) guests all the guests coming on you need to save us please I cannot have Guy Drinkle winning this trophy all right Everton versus Brentford. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Burn it. Less than 35 clearances. Uh, burn it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Headed goal. Bank it. Fist pump goal celebration. Bank that. Oh, who are you thinking with that? I think Ivan, Ivan Tony. Tony. Ivan Tony is a red. He's
1: got a fist pump in him.
0: He's okay, a Liverpool all right. fan. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, yeah, he. He'll probably celebrate a lot more if he scores in that game. Yeah. Leeds versus Brighton. Obviously, the game that you've predicted, 3-1 to Brighton. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Bank it. Less than 35 clearances. Burn it. Over three yellow cards. Burn it. Headed goal. Burn it. Fist bump goal celebration. Burn it. Wow, only one bank it there. The yeah. passing.
1: Yeah, both teams like a pass, don't
0: they? They do. They do. It's going to be a beautiful game. Go check it out with LibertyShield.com. Yes. Um, Leicester versus Chelsea. Your time starts now. Over 850 passes. Bank it. Less than 35 clearances. Bank it. Over three yellow cards. Bank it. Head a goal. Burn it. Fist pump goal celebration. Burn it. Ah, I thought you were going to go for a full house there for a little bit. Yeah, I just doubts about how many goals will be in that game fair fair all right Spurs versus Nottingham Forest let's end it off you've gone 2-1 to Spurs in that one um your time starts now over 850 total passes burn it less than 35 clearances burn it over three yellow cards bunk it headed goal bunk it fist bump goal celebration
1: Emerson Royale's getting a fish pump celebration. <laughs> you've
0: heard it here first. Wow. Emerson Royale to get a goal there. Now, Guy, um, I think you've done quite well here. If you end up outright leader, I might have to come out of retirement and take this title from Ooh. you because I'm not having it. I'm not having Guy Drinkle winning this title. I can't. I can't. And we know that, obviously, the suits upstairs have said, I can't do Bankrupt or burn it for legal reasons. But my god Okay, I'm, I'm going to start getting some Guests in here, in training I think I should train the guests I think that's what we're going to end up with But guys montage. I like it <laughs> Definitely Now let's move on to the rest of our fixtures We've got Crystal Palace Versus Man City Crystal Palace It's been a tough Tough fixture schedule for them man. Mm. Um uh, They get that red card in in the game against Aston Villa. And looking at some of the other games, like, for example, you know, the Southampton game, I'm looking at the Fulham game um, yesterday, where there could have been potential red cards for two yellow cards, justifiably. Crystal Palace will look back at this weekend and feel very hard done by that they ended up being the only team that got the red card in the end, if you're looking at the challenges that were involved in the previous in, in, in the games that I mentioned there. But the 1-0 loss to Aston Villa, having gone up a goal thanks to Wilfred Zaha, which gets ruled up by VAR for offside, that's probably the fixture they were looking at in terms of the fixes they have, they've had in this schedule that they've had of, that's a game we probably need to win just to give us breathing room. Because it's Man City, This week it's Arsenal Next week It's obviously Leicester the week after that Which they'll be looking to capitalize on But it's starting To get a bit scary for for Crystal Palace I think they're starting To sweat a bit especially Knowing that it's a game against Man City And they have Arsenal Next week as well Crystal Palace have been a bogey Team for Man City and Man City have been Shaky this season Guy a team that was a team of a tad predictable for one season a couple of seasons back can they roll back the years and put on a performance
1: you'd have to say no really they're so boring just bland aren't they and without de Kure there in midfield I'm not sure um, who will come in I mean obviously Schlup's played in midfield I don't think that's worked too well Uh, Will Hughes seems to be a sub-option at best. I think, probably best checking who's injured for Crystal Palace. Um, So they've got pretty much everyone apart from Ferguson and Johnston who've been injured since they've signed for the club, really. Um, So MacArthur, if he's still there, I'm not bloody sure. They they need to be solid in midfield because I think Gundogan's starting to be getting a really good form. Um De Bruyne is just always in good form, but we've seen Foden back in the team doing well even I think he picked up a knock, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he did fill Foden fifty percent. Yep. So but even even like Grealish is playing a little bit better. I think Mares was doing well before Foden got back into form. Uh Haaland is Haaland. Um so yeah. He, Thing is thing is I think every every week, not just when I'm on this podcast, I'm sure everyone's just went, Man City should win. But they dropped points to Forest. Um who else did they dropped points to recently? They've already drew one of their last five, but I'm pretty sure they dropped more points just before these last five games. But their away form has been um sketchy um at times of season before the Arsenal win. Um so they are a they are a bit of a strange team, but I think I don't think Palace is the team to take advantage of it. But I mean, if you look at individual battles, I mean, I think Zaha against Kyle Walker nowadays, I'd probably say Zaha could get the best of him. Or if it's Rico Lewis, or I think Nathan Aki's probably been their more most consistent defender, whether he's played centre back or left back. Um. So I think he's probably not one to target. But if Eze, Elise and Zaha are on it, I think that could be something. Obviously, Mateta and Edward have not really turned up for them this season or not really made the spot their own up front this season. Um, but yeah, Man City should win this game. I think Takura is probably Crystal Palace's most... one of their most important players. I think Palace will get a goal and maybe give them a scare. But I think Man City... Um, should have enough going forward. But that's just been the question, if they get enough goals. Because we have seen Haaland have a, a few comedy misses. um, And behind that, Fordham was off form for a little while. That changed, obviously, as I mentioned. But if if Haaland's if, if, um, not scoring and De Bruyne's not scoring, the dependability of Mahrez and Grealish scoring a goal is not really... The same as a Phil Ford in, in top form trying to get a goal or Sterling in previous years, etc. So that's just the thing. If Harland and De Bruyne aren't on it, you, I think you're then then you're looking at someone like Gundogan stepping up. And obviously he's doing it from a deeper position. Um, but I'll back Man City. I think they should win. I think it may go like one all or something like that. But then Man City will end up a 3-1 winner. So
0: let's go 3-1 Man City. 3-1 to Man City for Guy Drinkle there. Yeah, look, I think the the concerns you've mentioned for Man City are valid. Crystal Palace, the hope is in the transition transition offence. You mentioned Zaha, the pace he has. You've mentioned Olessi, the creativity the pace he has. Um, you've got Eze there that can come in as well with the pace. It just looks like a game. And Crystal Palace have shown in the past as well, with guys like Townsend um, turning in performances against Man City. City can be got on the counter-attack, especially this city that hasn't been so solid uh, as previous versions of them. But it's another opportunity for Man City to play before Arsenal play, if I'm not mistaken. And they have to capitalise. Arsenal play a day later. Now, this past weekend, we saw City play at 12.30, Arsenal play at 3 o'clock. So Arsenal didn't really have too much time to mull over the result of Man City. It's sort of just looking at the screen as you're warming up. OK, they won. Business as usual. Let's carry on. If City win this game, so it's five, a 5.30 kickoff. Arsenal then have, uh, you know, until two o'clock the next day to think about this Man City win and how Man City keep clawing them back every time they get a win. And then they play a Fulham side who... Have shown this season that they can be quite quite difficult to beat, but we'll get onto that game soon enough. So I think City continue to put the pressure on Arsenal on this one, and I'm interested to see if it has any effect on Arsenal. Um obviously, as I mentioned, the game we'll be discussing next. But in terms of score predictions, I think it's 2 1. I'm not sure it's gonna be as, as as easy as City will be hoping for, but I I think. Palace have a goal in them on the counter attack in transition football. But let's move on to the game that I was teasing a little bit there. Fulham versus Arsenal. Arsenal, if the score lines happen as we've predicted them, Arsenal will once again be needing to win to extend that, that gap that they have on Man City. Obviously, there's that game in hand that, that they have. Um, that's obviously all so valuable at this part of the season. Fulham have been difficult to beat, guy, and, and obviously you would know from beginning of the season when, when they beat. Did they draw with Liverpool? Um, certainly made it a difficult game for yeah, Liverpool draw. on that yeah. one. Um, Could Fulham get a result in this one against Arsenal? It's a London derby. It's at home for Fulham. They've shown they can be difficult at times. Mitrovic is slowly getting back to fitness. Obviously he's had his... Injuries. Solomon just can't stop scoring, so surely we have to bank a goal for him. So I've already written one here for Fulham because Solomon's just been on fire. But Arsenal seem like they're getting this we-can't-lose mentality, which has been very crucial for them. I think they go 1-0 down again here and win the game 2-1. My only
1: question, Mark, is... (sighs) Paulini's out for Fulham, I believe, because I think he got two match banned for the yellow card ten yellow cards. Mm. Um which is a shame really, because I think Paulini has been one of the best midfielders in the league this season, and I think him against Thomas Party would be would be fun. Um but I think that does lower Fulham's chances because I think was it Sukic who probably should have been sent off on Monday? Yes. Um he came in, but maybe they I think Tom Kerny's out as well. Yeah, he is out as well, actually. So it might have to be Sukic. So it might be a, a second baptism of fire for him, um, which would probably give the advantage to Arsenal. But Arsenal have a few injuries as well. Now, we've not really looked overly, but this is Nketi, Atrosad and Jesus out. So that is all their forward... Um, centre-forward players out really so it might be a rejig of like Martinelli up front and um, Smith-Rowe back on the left or something like that but I think if you're Fulham, the physicality of Issa Diop and Tim Ream who's been surprisingly good this season they'd probably prefer that. Obviously running in behind will be an issue but I think that'd be an issue for for most players against them a lot. So I, I think you could see Fulham getting a draw or even a win because I think Mitrovic against... I think Saliba and Gabriel have been really good this season, but Mitrovic can cause issues to anyone. You mentioned Solomon there. He's just on one of them streaks. Uh, but I do agree. I think Arsenal, especially without Pelina there, I think Arsenal would see this as a good opportunity for a, a good, timely win against Fulham, who's one of the better um, teams in the league this season. So I, I'll I'll go... I do agree, I think Fulham will get a goal I feel like I've said 2-1 and 3-1 too much 3-2,
0: let's get another mad (laughs) Arsenal game Wow I I think Arsenal fans if if, if they're going to win the league that would be a a crazy way to to go about it Take it it from a
1: Liverpool fan (laughs) It's horrid
0: Especially with the way Man City just claw back teams um, Yeah, you have to be on it every single week A team that we thought was on it every single week Certainly in 2023, Manchester United They're coming off of a very, very humiliating 7-0 loss to Liverpool this past weekend Guy, they've obviously got the midweek game against Betis Where they can put it right But in terms of the league Playing a Southampton side that yes, um they got that 1-0 win last time out, but they've not been playing all too well this season. Is this an opportunity for Man United, certainly from a Le- Premier League standpoint, to go in front of their fans at Old Trafford and apologize with the performance? Don't apologize on Twitter and stuff like that. It, it To me, it's meaningless. A lot of these players don't even manage their own Twitter accounts and social media accounts. So... As far as I'm concerned, you're not even the one apologizing. Go and apologize on the pitch. I mean, we had players like, you know, the captain wanting to be subbed off and stuff like that. This is a game at Old Trafford where I don't care what the situation is for Man United. If they get a 100 injuries or if all their players get banned for this game somehow, they cannot leave Old Trafford on Sunday without a win So just from the fear of the reaction that could be if they don't win that game, I've gone with a 2-1 Man United win or 2-0. I've gone 2-0 Man United. This is a fear prediction that I'm giving. I think Southampton will be buoyed by their win Um, last time out. I I don't think they they were overly impressive. I thought they gave Leicester a lot of chances to come back into that game and even win that Mm. game. Um, And I I see a similar situation against Man United where they'll be giving them chances. But if I'm Southampton, I'm thinking Man United had that horrible loss against Liverpool and they've got a Europa League game which they'll probably have all their eggs in the basket for that one to try and kill the tie-off in the first leg. We will be the fresher team. We will have a a week to train for this. We could surprise them here.
1: I think it's a good opportunity for Southampton. Yeah, I think... It's a, I think United, it's hard to answer this question now because they have a home game on Thursday as well. So maybe the initial toxicity venom around the club after that may be taken out on Thursday. But if they win on Thursday, I think then the Sunday fixture will be okay. But if they lose on Thursday, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, it won't be pretty so it'll be a hard one to answer till, um, till then but no I think it is a good opportunity for Southampton regardless of the better, best result I'm sure a few players will be changed in and out um, after that and you'd have to say dropped and deservedly so Um Like Anthony, I'm I'm guessing surely Sancho will get an opportunity over Anthony, for example. You probably take Bruno out because he was spectacularly childish, probably the right word. Um, yeah, but Southampton, they were good in the first half against Leicester. Keyword there is Leicester. Um, Mm -hmm. But the second half, they kind of reverted back to type, didn't they? And they just didn't really have any structure. And as we mentioned when we did the Leicester game, if Ineanacho had was on a good day, he probably would have had a hat-trick. But there is things to look forward to from Southampton. I think Che Adams, obviously being back, he's not a big goal scorer, but I feel like he he's probably the player to get the best out of players like Suleymane and Alcaraz, who seem to be the young attacking players starlets they've got because Alcaraz obviously running on beyond looked really fun Um Soleimani looked really fun and then the youngster called Theo Walcott I think it is um <laughs> started as well but yeah I, it should be fun like seeing Lavia against Casemiro should be like it'll either be Teacher teaching a young lad some something, or the energy of a young lad will just kind of overdo him. But no, I think that should be a fun game. But will a lot of answers, a lot of questions will be answered on the Thursday. But you'd have to say Man United, unless that has that result has literally broken all those players who were broken, like whilst Ranucco was manager, at the end of Oli, etc. Um, yeah, i I'll go. I don't think I've said a clean sheet yet. I'll say one 0 United. No, two 0 United.
0: Yeah, join me on the two-nil bandwagon guy. I think it's it's a must for Man United from a league perspective to get a reaction um and just secure that third place. And the quicker Man United can secure third place, the quicker they can concentrate on the other trophies that they can go they can still go for in the league. Um I think the notions of trying to go for the title, I thought they were Um, unrealistic even even when man united were playing well um but certainly now you'd imagine they're they're unrealistic but in terms of securing your top four spot get that third spot quickly and you can then rotate in the league and you know play your strength and team in in the cup games and maybe you come out of the season looking quite rosy and heading into next season with a, a confident team you know with trophies in the bag but Let's move on to West Ham versus Aston Villa. Now, Guy, as you know, Aston Villa were named the team for a tad predictable 2022, 2023. Coincidentally or not coincidentally, the week after Gerard got fired. Um, but they entertained West Ham. Now, Guy, I, we've mentioned Leicester, right? In terms of we don't know what to make of them. I'm feeling the same with West Ham. It feels inevitable mm-hmm. that Moyes is going to get fired. But the longer this goes on, surely the the more damaging it is for West Ham. They're creeping dangerously close to that relegation zone once again. They're one point above the relegation zone. They do have a game in hand over Everton, who currently do hold that 18th spot. But they have the same amount of of games as Southampton, and Southampton are two points away from them. So it's not it's not like that. You know, they're 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 far away. Results go badly for them this weekend, and they will be in the relegation zone come the end of the weekend. Playing against the Aston Villa side, as we mentioned, they got that 1-0 win against Crystal Palace last time out. Aston Villa, from their perspective, they're thinking we could make it into the top half of the Premier League if results go our way and and Chelsea don't get a a win. Who, Who needs this result more, and how do you see the game going?
1: Oh, West Ham by a million percent need it more. Villa season's done, they've done their thing. They've got our relegation. They, 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 their whole thing this season is now to look forward to next season. Well, they need probably one, more, one a win and a draw to confirm safety. They are safe already. Well, unless they lose the remaining games, they are not going down. And even then, I'd probably still say they'd stay up. Um, so West Ham desperately need it. I think you're right. West Ham's such a... Just a poison. It's all. I think it's always been a bit of a poison challenge because it's a big London club, obviously big, shiny, newish stadium now. Um, but it can turn toxic quite quick at that club, and the ownership's been strange, hasn't it? Obviously, he passed, sadly passed away recently, but they got t- part of it got taken over by the Czech lad, who then then they bought two Czech lads, and it worked out. But they just seem to age instantly, so. It's a it's a strange one. I think they need to. It almost feels like when Moyes first left, they obviously tried to go to Pellegrini and take that step. And I'm not saying they should regret obviously rehiring David Moyes because that would be really stupid considering what David Moyes has taken on European runs and got them in the Europa League um, uh, consistently or consecutively is probably the right word. Um, but do you do wonder if maybe if they found someone in the Pellegrini mould to keep on that path, it would have been interesting. But there's surely no regrets. But maybe they'll go back on that path and try and find a more adventurous coach because it looks like they've been buying for players that way. Because where does Paquetta fit in a David Moyes team? Really, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who else has the ball? Agard. Skamaka
0: coming Skamaka, in to play as a lone striker. Yeah. Like, it, it it's, it's it, very disjointed.
1: It's not a David Moyes thing. So, the, uh, it looks like there's... I know David Moyes had um, a lot of input on transfers at his previous clubs or the previous clubs where he was a success or had a bit of time. Like, well, I think United, he was famed for it with Fellaini and all that. But Everton, he definitely was. And I think West Ham, he obviously is. Um so, yeah, I'm not sure what's happened there um, in terms of the um, unjoined up thinking between the people who buy people, uh, players and, and Moyes there, unless he just fancied giving it a, a, a slight tweak to his tactics. But, no, it seems like a weird club. You'd have to back Villa, though, because I think they've been un, un-, un- im am- I un- un- am- <laughs> Um In terms of they've been better away from home. <clears throat> Um seems they've got... Yeah, there we go. The results weren't updated for some reason on the Premier League website. But they are they are a bit odd because they seem to have started scoring more, but shipping a few more goals. But they have got two positive results in a row, but it was against Everton and Villa. But it was against Everton and Palace, if I can read properly. Good Lord guy. But West Ham are certainly in that regard as well. So I'd have to back Villa... Um, Ollie Watkins against Ogbonna and Agard always seems to get pick up injuries and stuff like that. Um, uh, Ramsey's in good form. I think Buendia's kind of come into a bit of form as well. They seem to have fi- finally figured out midfield as well. So, and Declan Rice has been a bit stanky this season, let's be fair. So I feel like um, Kamara and Dougie Louise could. Could dominate that midfield battle, but if Rice is on it, he could obviously compete with that. But no, I'll, I'll back Villa. Um, I'll almost contradict myself in saying they kind of have got worse defensively. The uh, the choice of the attack, but I, I'll go. I'll go one nil Villa.
0: one not Aston Villa and that away win? I do think you know with regards to the away performances, they have a lot of players that suit counter attack football. You're looking at the. The Baileys of the world, the Ollie Watkins of the world, I think they prefer getting the ball early and running at the defenders rather than doing their running before they receive the ball, and playing away from home suits that, especially when you have teams like West Ham that will probably be quite ball dominant in this game, and Villa will be happy to concede possession to them um yeah, in terms of score predictions I've gone for a one one draw i Personally, I would prefer if, if the situation is and we obviously don't know, but if the situation is if Moise doesn't if Moise loses this game, he's going to get fired. Personally, I think it's better for them to just rip the band aid off and, and let him go and bring in someone that they yeah. believe in because um, it seems a bit it's almost getting toxic so to speak at the moment because he's not getting the best out of these players um they don't seem to be responding to him how long do we want to give him a chance for but
1: I think the only issue with that today was we saw with Leeds and uh probably Southampton less so because they went for Jesse Marsh then just offered him (laughs) two-month contract for whatever reason but Leeds obviously wanted lads from La Liga and the and couldn't get them to shift with the manager mid-season, whereas you think West Ham might aim a bit higher. But unless they, let's say, I think they've been long linked with Rafa Benitez, for instance. Say if they want to give Rafa the job till the end of the season then reevaluate in the summer, something like that. But if they want to sack Moyes and then bring in the guy, I think that might be an issue. So maybe they're just trying to chug along with Moyes rather than just give it to a random coach or something like that.
0: Yeah, because if you, if I'm looking at their squad and relative to the squads that are around them, if they can just bring in a coach that says, let's go back to basics for the next, you know, 12 games or whatever's left of the season and rely on our talented players to get us the goals, we will keep it simple at the back, we'll keep it simple in midfield, very structured, short passes, get it out wide to our talented wingers. Look to get into the box. Skamaka playing with someone off him. You know, maybe put Bowen just behind him. Or you've got Ings now. Ings and Skamaka as a two. That's enough firepower to see you stay in the league, I would imagine. But yeah, a 1-1 draw for me. And it it just keeps the club in limbo. Um, A club that's trying to get out of this limbo, so to speak, of draws and and recently losses is Newcastle. Now, Guy, Newcastle obviously... The disappointment of the Carabao Cup final, they then entertain Man City early kickoff. They lose 2-0. I think they were in the game for a long time before, obviously, Man City get that second goal that kind of kills things off. But I saw promising signs from Newcastle in that game. Their attack seemed threatening. They obviously didn't get the goal they needed to to swing the momentum fully in their favor. But there were spells in that game where they had Man City on the ropes and had a chance to win it. Um, They need a win here against a Wolves side that have been a lot better with Lopetegui having come in. How do Newcastle navigate this one? Because it, they need the win. As I mentioned, the, the draws and the losses are way too many at the moment, especially with the other teams seemingly sorting themselves out. I'm looking at the likes of Liverpool. Spurs throw in wins every now and then. Wolves are climbing up the table, guy. Not long ago, they were, you know, hovering in that relegation zone. They now have twenty-seven points, two wins in their last five games. Lopetegui certainly seems to 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 favour, you know, if I get in at nil-nil at half time, he seems to be the the, the half time whisperer at the moment. Changes tactics at half time, it gets him results. Newcastle have to take the lead in the first half, or, or, or fear the wrath of of a Lopetegui tinkle uh, uh, Tweak in in the game, you would imagine. It's a tough
1: one to predict, this isn't it? It's um, Newcastle have struggled to score goals, but you mentioned the opportunities they've had in terms of Wilson missed a, basically a tap in, Jolinton missed a tap in. I'm sure someone else missed one as well. Um, so they are still making opportunities. Or it might have just been the Man City game. Well, the Liverpool game from a couple of weeks ago, they had chances. They didn't have many chances in the cup final, but the cup final is basically non-canon, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, in terms of the, two of the losses that I've seen for them, they have had chances. Um, whereas Wolves, I think Wolves are just fine. I think they probably would have been fine even if, like, large stayed, I think, but it might have been a bit more scrappy. But with Lopetegui coming in, obviously not, not sparkling form, but you see, I mean, he's getting more out of, like, say, Adama Traore, for instance. Um, Jimenez looks somewhat more useful now. I think it's fair to say, obviously, he doesn't still head the ball like he used to, but you can understand that. Uh, Acuna's came in and kind of helped the attack a bit.
0: Um, and Lamina's been solid in Lamina, midfield, right? yeah.
1: Lamina, um, I think it is it Bubacar Sar, I think the sign in midfield for a bit more legs. Neves is very good still. Um, he's using Moutinho a bit more sparingly. Um, and the defense has just always been so. I think adding someone like I liked Kilman and Collins, and I think that's obviously still probably the long term plan, but adding someone like, um, Dawson, I can't remember his name for a second there. I think it does just help. I think it helps when you're a team like Wolves having a a team like Wolves in the situation they were in is having an experienced head at centre back, which they kind of had with Cody, but Cody can't play in a back four. Um, So adding Craig Dawson, I think, helps at least. Um, So yeah, I think they'll be fine. But in terms of this game, um,
0: I don't know. I don't think I've picked Definitely. a draw. Yet. Picked no, a draw you haven't. i one, I've picked one a draw. all, <laughs> one all. Let's go. On. I was, I was, I didn't want to mention it to you in case, you know, in case we could get through a podcast without you picking a draw. I was going to celebrate. The next two are but...
1: draws as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, it's a difficult game to pick. Um, I think Wolves just seem to have found a bit of a groove at the moment. Um, it's at Saint James's Park. I've been impressed with Newcastle. Um, They've been unfortunate in front of goal. Maybe it's the Liverpool head in me, but I'm going to go with a 2-1 Wolves win. I think Wolves pull off a shock here. And I say shock just relative to league position than necessarily current form. Um, Let's move on to Brighton versus Crystal Palace. Obviously, these two teams will be playing their second games of the the week. Um, We mentioned the the fixture list for Crystal Palace at the moment Brighton have been in good form is this just a clean cut Brighton 2-0 win here guy um
1: yeah it, it is, logically it should be but these games um usually are a tight horrible affair obviously I'm not sure I can't remember what the derby's called I always forget I think they don't like it being called the M25 derby I might be wrong <laughs> yeah. um but yeah it's that's what we'll go with these are oh, all. Oh, yeah. Can... Let,
0: let's, let's piss off more fans. That's a great question. Yeah.
1: We well, <laughs> screw them. <laughs> um, I, it feels like this one will be tight and horrible. So, I. <laughs> I'm tempted to go. Don't to the you draw. dare. Don't you dare. Don't <laughs> um, you dare. 1 0 Brighton. No, 1 0 Palace. They're going to get a result. It's a they Brighton thing one. to do. Yeah, 1 0 Palace. They definitely Palace. need one. Mix okay. it up a bit.
0: We'll go All wild for right, so these last two. I've gone 2 0 to Brighton that one. Let's move on to Southampton, Brentford, uh, the gatekeepers, so to speak, of the league. If you want to stay in the league, Southampton, you have to beat the gatekeepers. Do Southampton stay in the league, guy? Uh?
1: I don't think they do, but because I'm going rogue now, and well, we're nearly at the end of the podcast, I'm going Southampton 2 1. Southampton
0: 2 1, and still get relegated. You can't beat the gatekeepers and get relegated. It doesn't work like that, guy. They're gatekeepers for a reason, Uh, and unfortunately for Southampton, I've gone with a 2-0 Brentford win. I think Brentford have been on fire of late, and I think they continue their march into European football. But, Guy, that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up?
1: Um. We are without Dave this week, so there is no Friday show, me doing your job. Um, So I will, in terms of pods, if you are a Liverpool fan... Or if you're a Bournemouth fan and you beat us, feel free to to listen to the post-match show on Saturday where I am stepping in for the usual host. Um, So hopefully we do beat you if you are a Bournemouth fan, because then I won't be sad. (laughs) But um, that's the next podcast, so if you are a Liverpool fan, do check out, um, I don't even know, I call it not the Nina Kauser show,
0: so check out that (laughs) on Saturday. Post-match Raw, I think it's called.
1: Well, that's the other one, so I'm on the free side one. Right. Oh. So yes, I'm on not Nina's show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the not Nina
1: show. Not the Nina Calder show. Whereas Raw, okay. Raw's still fine, I think. Although okay. I'm not sure if Dave's on
0: it. No worries there, uh, guys. From my end, go and check out um, EPR Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. I would say go check out the daily podcast show, the Two Fitter Podcast, with Dave Hendrick. But as Guy says, Dave, Dave is on a well-deserved holiday at the moment but definitely go and check out the epl roundtable where kev david sits down with panelists from respective epl teams they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the epl um a tad predictable obviously does the score predictions before the game week and then epl roundtable sums things up at the end of the game week so it's a nice little um pre and post with dave sandwiched in the middle throughout the week Um, Guys, go and follow at EPR Index on Twitter. Go and follow at predictable on Twitter. Subscribe to EPR Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments if you feel so inclined. Tell the suits upstairs you don't want Guy Drinkle to win the Bank of Burnett Championship. Or at the very least, tell Guy Drinkle not to blow our budget for next season um, if he does win it with a giant trophy and parade as he is planning I've been Tadiwa Chanakera. You can find me on Twitter at tadpredicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire S A. And Jody McInnes. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. He's been our producer. He's usually behind the glass, but he was in front of the mic. And he's currently one half of the interim champions of Bank It or Burn 2022-2023. And you can cue my music, Guy Drinkle. And remember, Chisinga Perry what a strike from Yuri Social Podcast Network